Welcome to Blue Bloods College Game Time. A true blue pod production. Quarterback draw. He's got running room. And a first down. Watch out. He's got getaway speed. Touchdown. That game on last night had me sweating. I couldn't believe it. It was college game time. A couple of blue bloods out competing. College game day Saturdays. Big time players making plays. All I really need is another weekend full of back to back games. Just me and my friends, man. I love college. College football. I love March Madness. Yeah, seriously, bro. It's like it's the first. What is this? This is the first podcast, the first Blue Bloods College Game Time podcast of 2022. And we made that's it. Crazy. We made it. We we're made like, it. we're like at the end of football season, man. Like it's know, crazy. Man. It seems like we just started. I know this is. It's unbelievable. I think, um, man, I'm proud of us because most people. Most people, two things. Most people probably would have quit by now because it just, it really does. Podcasting is like having another job. It's, <laughs> it, it's fun for like the first two to three weeks until you realize, crap, I got to keep this thing going in the midst <laughs> of life. And then, um, man, I'm proud of us, man. We hit the 1K by New Year's Day goal and the 19th hour is like 11.52, but we did it with a thousand organic subscribers on YouTube. Thank you mm. guys who listen to us. Thank you for y'all who are watching right now on YouTube. Yes. Thank you for subscribing. Make sure you share it with a friend. Um, man, we're just so glad to be here, man. Once again, Blue Bloods Cause Game Time podcast of podcast for the fans, by the fans. Yes. Happy New Year, baby. Happy Look, New Year. If you're watching right now, what <clears throat> up? Thanks for viewing us. Thanks for hanging with us for the next hour or so. Um, you can listen to this as well on Spotify iTunes or Apple Podcasts or really yep. Google Podcasts, wherever you get yep. your podcasts from. <clears throat> so if it's not always suitable for you to just watch a full episode on YouTube, you can go listen when you're riding in the car, running on the treadmill, you know, setting yep. all those New Year's goals. Everybody's going to be at the fitness centers and the gyms and the weight room. So put us in, man. Let us entertain you while you're uh, working out. So anyways, but if you are watching and you're not a subscriber, please, right now, hit, go ahead, subscribe. hit the subscribe button. <sighs> okay, B. Holmes, let's let's get into this, man, because I think our last full episode we did was our uh, bowl mania, possibly, uh, going yeah. into bowl season. I think we may have did another full episode by, b- prior that. to then, but just so everyone knows, you know, we're in our first year of doing this. Uh, it's our first season, so we will probably always take off the week of uh, Christmas. between Christmas and New Year's, so we hope everyone had a wonderful holiday season. Merry Christmas. Happy yeah. New Year, all that good stuff. Hope you're setting your goals. I know B. Holmes and I are setting personal goals for the 2022 as well as for this podcast and YouTube channel. Um, one of those being getting a sponsor for this channel. Come and, on, man. I mean, let's do or it. sponsors. I'll say it plural. <clears throat> I'll say sponsors, plural. But um, anyways, what I was getting at is, is we didn't take it off. We just took it off from doing a full episode. But mm-hmm. we got so... So much video content up over the last couple of weeks. If you are an exclusive listener, like you listen on one of the streaming platforms, go to our YouTube channel. 
at Blue Blood CGT. It's the same as every other social media platform we have. We yep. have tons of videos that we put up over the last couple of weeks. And as Brandon said, we hit 1,000 subscribers by New Year's Day. Man. That's just huge, man. That's a big, that's a big, that's not easy. Like, at first when we were talking about it, I was like, oh, 1,000. But then when you put the work in to get mm. to 1,000, shout out to all the people who have more <laughs> like yeah. we have hundreds of thousands like that it's just a grind man but yeah. it, it was a good dude shout out to our day ones tommy brooker yeah jaron prince a lot of those guys who reach alicia. out to us every week alicia as she's driving from <laughs> also wherever she's driving from every week man we we really appreciate that okay <clears throat> enough of that let's get into let's, let's get into man this past weekend so saturday what a day of college football I think we'll probably just go through each New Year's Six game. But before yep. we get into any of that, I think the biggest buzzing story right now is probably Matt Corral. Yes. Um, went down it. Saturday night with the injury in the Sugar Bowl. Um, it's brought up tremendous discussion about should players opt out, should they not. Let me just say a couple things. I mean, because I think there's – there's there's two two conversations here, B. Holmes. I think there's a to opt out or not to opt out, mm-hmm. and then the significance of bowl games in today's era of college football. Yeah, for sure. So on the opt out to not opt out, here's my thought. And it's not earth shattering. Yeah. But whether a player chooses to play or not to play, have they not earned the right to make that decision? You know, I, I don't remember who specifically said it last night. In fact, it may have been Greg Ma- uh, McElroy, if I'm saying his last mm-hmm. name right, uh, former, Bama, former quarterback. Bama quarterback. Yeah. In fact, maybe the only thing he said on Saturday night, not last night, on Saturday night, that I agreed with was just that, that players yeah. have earned the right to make that decision. Now, there was a lot of other stuff. If you want to go to my Twitter, you see the handle right here. <laughs> like, I'm like, man, yeah. this guy, I get it. It's been a long season. He, he's he's not real tuned in probably with Baylor or Ole Miss, but he was saying some things were going, whoa, we'll get to that later. But <laughs> players have certainly earned the right. And Absolutely. if I was a Ole Miss fan, like, I'd, I'd feel sick right now for Matt Corral. I mean, I, I'm not even an Ole no, Miss yeah. fan, and I hate it for him um, that, that he went down like that. The comparison I make as a Razorback fan, and I made a video about this a couple weeks ago, was when Traylon Burks, our star receiver, opted out of the Outback Bowl. It really kind of polarized the fan base on that decision. And I made Mm -hmm. a a video talking about why it's going to benefit everybody, including Burks and including the Razorbacks. And, I mean, it it got some heated discussion. discussion. But my point was, the question I asked in that video to Razorback fans was how sick would you be if Traylon Burks blew his knee out in the Outback Bowl and completely like ruined his potential draft stock? I mean, right. And I get it. Every situation is different. Every player is different. But I think that's that's the thing that we don't know as fans what all's going into those decisions. We're just so quick to jump on. Oh, they're being selfish. Oh, they just want money. Or oh, they're a warrior. They're they're a yeah. team guy. Like <laughs> right, we're so right. quick to jump on one train or the other. Where like, what if in a situation you have a guy like Traylon Burks, or any of the other players who have opted out in the bowl season, who played injured all season, 
put their body on the line all season and had the opportunity to go get some sort of surgery or some sort of medical work done where if they did it in early mid-December, it would allow them to be full strength for the pro days, combine, the too, combine, yeah. the the different, you know. And because they made that decision to do it after putting their body on the line for 12 straight games. And then on the flip side, you got a guy like Matt Corral where nothing was stopping him from playing in that game. And that's, mm -hmm. you, it's like this poetic justice almost like he almost became a victim of his greatest strength which yep. is he's not scared he he is a warrior i mean he's played that way all season long yeah and i've talked about that i've talked about how he plays the game in some cases could potentially take years off his, off his nfl career, career shelf life it. And I've compared him even to a guy like RG3. Now, a lot of yep. it's because they played in similar systems. They've got similar, you know, they throw a great deep ball. They make plays with their legs, all that. I've got other videos on that. I don't want to get back into it right now. But so I guess I talked the long way around to say this. Players have earned the right to make those decisions. I mean, I'm, I, I'm not a Division I football player. I was not a Division I football player. I've never been in that position personally. And when you look at the landscape of college football now, which – I'm going to let you give your take on the opt-out, non-opt-out before we get to mm -hmm. bowl games in yeah. the modern-day era. But I, I think that we should just respect players' rights and not, like, crown them or thorn them. You know, like, I don't yeah, know, uh, crown them or stone them. Like, let's not... Let's not kick them off a pedestal or put them on a pedestal. Like, let's just let players make their decisions and work with the coaching staff. Like, most of those players, they talk with their coaches. I mean, it's right. not like they just <laughs> – a lot of times they don't do it in isolation. I also know that agents get involved, and but that's just it. I'm a fan. I don't know what all goes into those decisions. And so, for right. me, is I'm never going to sit back and judge a guy for playing or for not playing. At the end of the day, it's his decision. He's earned that right to make that decision. Now, do I have a potential solution that could help the opt-out issue? Because as a fan, what does it take away from? Well, sometimes it can take away from the competitiveness of the games because mm -hmm. the best players aren't playing, unless, of course, it's a playoff game. But before I get and sound off on that, what are your thoughts on the to opt-out or not to opt-out? I think, man, my stance has always been the same. If, if you've been listening to us from the beginning, I'm always an athlete in favor of the athlete guy. So whether they want to, I think you made a great point. Don't put somebody on a pedestal whether they do it or whether they don't do it. I think it's a it's a kid's decision, man. Um, you know, I can't be mad. I think everybody, listen, I'll, I'll put it like this. Until you're making multi-million dollar decisions in your life, I don't think you reserve the right to say anything to anybody else who's making a multi-million dollar decision in their life. Like if mm. you're, if in your everyday life, if you're not about to step into a decision or you've never walked a decision where you've made millions, because most of the people who are complaining about it aren't anybody who, who I, you're the casual fan. You're, right. you're the guy that goes to work. You know, you have the wife, the kids, the picket fence, you drink a beer and you're lazy boy. And, you know, that's that's kind of the game. Yeah, yeah, you enjoy the game. You know, like you 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 get excited to go to a game on set like that's That is your joy in life. Right. Because a lot of people who I know who are in business, who make big time decisions, they understand it. You know, most business guys who talk, it's, it's the pros and cons. You're weighing, OK, what's going to happen versus this or that. And you're like, all right, one more game with my friends who I've been around for the last 
three, four, maybe sometimes five years, or like potentially I'm about to make within 150, 160 days, I'm about to make a couple million dollars. Yeah, it's not worth it to me. Like, and I can't be mad at a kid that makes that decision. And people would say, well, it's about the money. Well, it is, man. Like, if somebody offered you, if somebody came to you right now, most anybody listening, most of our listeners, I'm sure, somebody was like, yo, if you don't go to work tomorrow, if you don't go to work tomorrow, and that guarantees you in the next couple months, I'm going to give you $3 million a year for the next five years, are you going to work tomorrow? No. <laughs> no, you're not going to work. So it's like, all right, man. Now I, I'm with you. I think the way, and I think we're pivoting there, the way you do that, and this is what I said. I think I tweeted about it. If you want these kids to play, all these big bowl games, like I think like Kenneth Walker and <clears throat> and Kenny Pickett, they didn't play, right? Listen, some of those big brands that are sponsoring that ball, pay, pay those kids a, a game day check. Give them a game day check. Hey, listen, now I might not be able to give you if I would do it like this, if I'm a, and I want those guys to play the NIL, I would do it. I would look at where they're rated to be taken mm-hmm. and I would give them a game day check equivalent of what they're getting ready to expect. Mm. So or, or, or the NCAA getting involved with some sort of insurance. Right. Policy some for players, something where it's like, you know, I guarantee if you told Kenny Pickett, hey, if you strap up, <laughs> you about to get a $50,000 check. He might reconsider playing yeah. for four quarters for 50k. I, I don't know, but I think the the players I I will give players of this era more benefit than anything and this is they're smarter. They they're not they they have realized that they are the leverage and they are have no problem leveraging who they are now to say, you know, I'm not doing like for me, I would I said this all night about the guy from Georgia, and we can pivot. Brock Bowers, the true freshman tight end, mm. that is a beast. If I was him, I would I, I would go to I was on the phone with my my boy. I said, if I was him, I call University of Georgia after this championship game. Listen, Georgia, unless you pay me a million dollars a year, I'm not playing the next two seasons. Why? I'm the best player in the country in, in my position. I would be the number one tight end off the board. If I came out this year, I'm NFL ready this year. I just can't go. So I think the players should start leveraging that, and I, I, I'm in full support of them. See, from a fa- like for me, from a fan's perspective, like I hate it just because it it takes away. You know, not to sound too old school, but it does. It takes away from the purity of the game. It takes away from why most people like college sports is because mm-hmm. it's. But then when you start looking at. Okay, but look at how much money all these other the coaches. The, like I saw a tweet uh, on Sunday morning that said, hey, I think ESPN, just for the love of the game, should broadcast the national championship ad-free. The people calling the game should do it, you know, for free. Like, just right. do it for the love of the game. You know, and it just, just, just spotlighting the fact that there is a lot of money at play here. But here's what I think you started saying that, 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 that is just the bottom line. If we want players to not opt out, we need to incentivize them, right? So there's two ways you can incentivize them. There's obviously the money, which is what you were just alluding to, where the bowl sponsors write the checks to make sure these players play now that they can do that legally through the Mm -hmm. NIL rules, okay? Or 
let's let's make these bowl games mean something. Yeah. Let's make them mean something. You see, I put a tweet up last night about how things used to be because I don't know if I if it's as much too as, as players nowadays are smarter or if it's more of the landscape is just so different now. Mm-hmm. Like it's just so different now. There's more money at stake now than there ever has been in the history of college football. And there's less significance attached to these bowl games than has ever been in the history of college football. So I don't know that it's so much that players got smarter or as much as the landscape just got like changed so drastically that players finally just went, hold up, like something's wrong with this equation. I'm, you know, so, so. What do I what do I mean by that? Well, there was a time where playing in your bowl game enhanced your chance of being named a national champion because the national yeah. championships were determined by the polls. That's when you had years where you would have co-national champions because of the poll splits and, and things of that nature. Bowls were regionally tied, right? They were they, or they were regional bowls that had specific conference tie-ins. So you had this incentive and motivation to go win your conference and then go win your bowl game in hopes of being named the national champion in the final polls. From my perspective, where all of this started to shift was in 1997, when you had Michigan, an undefeated Heisman Trophy Award winning Michigan Wolverines with Charles Woodson Mm -hmm. playing in the Rose Bowl and you had an undefeated Scott Frost, Tom Osborne. It was the, 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 the finale of the Tom Osborne era playing in, I want to say, the Fiesta Bowl against Tennessee and Peyton yes. Manning. Michigan wins. Nebraska dominates as they did all season. And every fan sat back and went, gosh. Wish I could see that game. What if we could see that game? But that wasn't what started to shift the landscape. It wasn't what the fans wanted. It's never what the fans wanted. It was that someone, some executive went, God, how much much money money. (laughs) are we losing by not pitting Nebraska versus Michigan? And then we had co-national champions that year. There was, there was, a poll split. Mm-hmm. Fans were left empty-handed. The money makers involved in this situation were left empty-handed. And to me, that was even the beginnings of the college football playoff because that would have been two crazy semifinal games building up to a national championship of Michigan versus Nebraska. I mean, in 1997, the amount of people that would have watched that. That would have been huge. So much money would have been on the line. So then they shifted to the BCS where it became this crazy like formula that really almost right out of the gate was put into question when Florida State made the national championship against OU over Miami, I think yep. in 2000, because 98, you had you had uh, Tennessee and Florida State. 99, you had Florida State and Virginia Tech. That was the Mike Vick year. Yeah. 
and Peter Warwick for Florida State, Mike Vick for Virginia Tech. And then 2000 was when you had that first, all of a sudden it was OU1, Miami 2, OU1, Miami 2. And then the BCS rankings comes out and Florida State jumps Miami. And Miami beat Florida State that year. And so then, then the discussion for, okay, we've got to figure out a way to let all these teams play, which has gotten us to where we are now. After a decade and a half of Two BCS, <laughs> we get to the, the college football playoff format where literally what you've done is you've gone, okay, we've got two games of significance and everything else really as it pertains to winning something like of, of, of the championship caliber, it's out the window. Yeah. Right. Whereas 30, 40 years ago, the team's playing in the Sugar Bowl, the team's playing in the Cotton Bowl, the team's playing in the Rose Bowl, and the team's playing in the Orange Bowl. How all those games played out could have an impact on who was named national champ. And right. so to me, the, the real potential solution is really one of two options. You either go old school, you throw this whole playoff system completely out the window, which is never going to happen because it makes too much money. But you could do that and get back to the polls deciding the national champion. And now you're bringing significance back to all of these bowl games Mm -hmm. or you expand. I I think the expansion, it it has to go this way because this is what I was thinking. And I I was texting you as Michigan was getting dumped by Georgia. Um, I just had this epiphany about like why it needs to expand. One, I don't like, I think the playoff is the best way to bring back this competitive nature amongst the top teams in college football. We know they're tiered, but it's the best way to do it. But I think it has to expand because the layoff is too much. Like Mm. to me, Nick Saban is the greatest college football coach ever. And if you, you give Nick Saban a week, he can out scheme you. You give Nick Saban a month, you're just playing mad scientist. Yeah. And like, as I was watching Michigan get thumped, I was thinking about it. And I'm not saying we should have got thumped. Like Georgia was pissed off. They were angry. They just got embarrassed. Like in my heart of hearts, I did not think we could win that game. I was just like, you can ask Jaron Prince. We were texting. I was like, I'm nervous. I was like, but I'm really just so glad to be there as a Michigan fan. Like (laughs) I'm so glad for the participation trophy we were about to get for being there that it was just, it was great for us. Jaron um, Prince is a uh, diehard Bulldog die fan. Hard For those of you Georgia. that are watching yeah. right now, the guy, everyone's going, who's that? He's, yeah, he's yeah, a yeah. diehard Bulldog yeah. fan. He's been with us from day one. So, uh, yeah, that way, that would get some context. So there I know Jaron, yeah. I've known Jaron for like two decades now, almost, almost two decades. And so the thing is, though, what I think why you have to expand is because I'm, when you get a month with that type of talent, you, you can, you can scout anybody. Like, why the why I believe the college football playoff works with the expansion is you now keep momentum in play. Now this is why I'm saying this has to happen to keep because we were going to say we're going to end up with the same two teams. Ah, maybe not because I'm not saying Michigan would have beat Georgia. I am saying this though, at the time of the layoff, Michigan was coming off the strongest momentum push they had. I mean, if you had been watching them all things were firing on all cylinders. They had the right momentum. The team was going. And we know sports is a momentum game. But I thought about this after watching the Rose Bowl yesterday. Based upon how everything faded, played out, you potentially could have gotten a Georgia versus Ohio State Mm -hmm. quarterfinal. Mm -hmm. 
I like the odds for Ohio. I'm just saying. Why Georgia dominated Michigan outside of the month to prepare? We They played into their strengths, right? But Ohio State, what we saw, what they did with Utah yesterday, they can score. They could put seven. They could put 60 points on anybody. I don't care who it is, where it is, when it goes down. They can put 60 on you in a heartbeat. Mm. I would have loved to see that quarterfinal. I would have loved to see, okay, Georgia's coming off a loss. Let's see how quickly they can respond because we know people have emotional hangovers. Mm. A month is a long time. Like after a month, it's kind of like, oh man, we've been playing good. And then I was just thinking about all the other additives. You got the award circuit going on. So really your top guys aren't really training. They're moving around. They're already starting talking about draft. You got agents in your ear. Like to me, what helps will help college football. And I think the national champion be more competitive and you'll find more parity is you have to expand. And you, ha- you can't have the long layoff. I think you lead the conference. You lose, a, you lose a regular season game or two, however they decide to do it. You go to the conference championship game. You get a week off. The winners of your conference championship or the top four should get a bye, however they want to figure that out. And then you go right into playing. Nobody should have more than a week off. Because it just, to me, it, it, you're, going to get, you're going to get what we're getting every year, which is going to be a Bama, Georgia, because they're so elite. And I'm not taking anything away from them. They're just that elite. And when you give elite teams, like I, I saw a statistic. I think Georgia and Bama Peace had over 45 and four-star players on their team. Hmm. Nobody can compete with that. Like, yeah. talent-wise, you can't. The only way you counter that is you, sh- you have to shrink the preparation time. You have to shrink it. And you have to go up, put them in a place where they have to play now. Because... What we saw Alabama do to Georgia, they ripped their soul out. But if you give them a month to sit on it, eh, it's like, ah, uh, it happened. You know, it's like we've had that embarrassing moment in class. It's a, it stinks the first week and a half of school. Eh, but then a month later, people stop talking about it. Okay. I got a thought here. This is crazy. And this is kind of just now hitting me. So if you're listening or watching, just know like you're literally getting this straight from the hip. A 32-team playoff. 32-team playoff. Okay. You play Friday and Saturday the month of December. So you do away with conference championship weekend. You shorten your season schedule. You front load your season with your conference games. The highest seeds play the lowest seeds. You set it up like a March Madness bracket, okay? You play every weekend of December and the first two weekends of January. I think if you had a 32-team tournament, that would – six weeks, I think, is about what that would need to cover. Five weeks, five or six weeks. Five or six. Um, And you play Friday, Saturday, Friday, Saturday until you get to those, like, you know, Elite Eight or whatever it is. And Mm. obviously the Elite Eight would be the Rose Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, all that, right? And what you've done now, you're not really playing more games if you're a team that would be going to the national championship in the current format anyways because you've cut off from your season a little bit. And you've cut – like, I would be willing to sacrifice conference championship weekend if it meant – yes. December madness, you know what I mean? Or or, or whatever you want to call it. And so now what you've done is you've made all of these bowl games that essentially encompass the power five teams. You've made them meaningful. Yeah. And 
You can still play out your other bowls because I think, what, are we up to like 44 bowl games now? 44 bowls. Something crazy like that. But a lot of those encompass like teams that don't have players that have the option to opt out. So, right. <laughs> so those bowl games wouldn't be included in a part of this 32-team format. And so you have this 32-team format and you just, it's like, it's like March Madness in December for football. There's a way to do it. Like I said, I'm going straight from the hip right now, but yeah. as I'm thinking it through, now you're making all now the Outback Bowl has some meaning. Now, now you might have to play these games a little earlier, but that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. If it's if it's a tournament, oh, it's going to make oh, some oh, people money. People are watching. People are watching. And people <laughs> are watching. People will go watch. It's going to make some money and then and then this whole opt-out conversation, it's no longer now player season will be over the first weekend of December if they lose. And they will have still played, you know, an 11-game season. Like, let's say right. you, you cut the regular season down to what it used to be way back in the day where they play 10 regular season games. They play their conference schedule with, like, one, maybe two cupcakes, depending on how it goes. And then, really, if you play your season out well, your first-round games, and then... You could also look at giving certain teams bye weeks, and then you yeah. could get even more teams in. Or you, I mean, there's a way I think you could structure it where you're not just completely, you know, squeezing the rag on the players. You're you're keeping the amount of games they're playing consistent with what it already is. You might even could cut it down a little bit, and you've made every game meaningful. Yeah. And I don't know of one fan that would not. Not love the we whole love month it. of December being like December madness for football. We love it. And then crazy. you get you get matchups you wouldn't normally get. Like, I'm being honest. I would have rather seen Ohio State versus Georgia. I would have rather saw that. Because everyone talks about how elite their defense, which we saw their defense is elite. I wanted to see them against and this is what I was I was thinking about it last night. I wanted I would have loved to see that game with you had because you think Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson both opted out Saturday. Yeah. I would I would have loved to see Georgia's defense against three first round wide receivers. Because yeah. Jackson Smith Enigma is a CJ Stroud might be the first quarterback off the board next year compared to Bryce Young. Like we we don't know. I we think don't know. Yeah, we he's potentially might be a better. I would have loved to see that. Like that's what I was thinking. I'm like, if the playoff is expanded, I potentially get that matchup, and I potentially get that matchup at the end of you know. Not in your format, there's no conference championship, but then maybe a 16 player, 16 or 12 team format. I get that after you get your heart stripped out by Bama, and let's see if you can get back up. And maybe that gives Ohio State more of um, they just got thumped on national TV two weeks before by Michigan. Maybe they come into that game like, oh no, we deserve because the Ohio State team I saw last night, they are who they are. The defenses, I mean, on Saturday, it's what they are. But that offense, man, I'm like, I would have loved to see that offense in a playoff format. I want to see that video game offense against yeah. supposedly the best defense in college football. Well, and a couple things here. Part of why I'm doing away with the conference championship is because I don't want to see a rematch of a conference championship in the national in championship. The national championship. I, I my interest level right now in this Georgia versus Bama is I'm as really low as it, it could possibly be. Yeah, I'll watch it because I'm a fan. You know what I'm saying? I'll have it on. I'll watch it. But my interest level in it is is close to zero. The The, the people who are interested in this are Georgia fans and Bama fans. That's it. Nobody wanted to see a rematch of this or someone who's just like a diehard SEC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> and I mean, I'm an SEC fan, but not to the point where like, 
I would have loved to have seen, I wanted to see Michigan Bama. I wanted to see Harbaugh versus Saban. Yeah, same. But to, to your point, I would have rather have seen Baylor play Bama. I would have rather have seen Oklahoma State play Baylor. I would have uh, uh, played Bama. I would have rather seen Ohio State play Bama. I would have even rather seen Ole Miss in a rematch versus Bama over Cincinnati Bama. Personally, yeah. because, and I know we're now we're already moving ahead, but like I was at that game. Okay. Yeah. And I had two main takeaways. Okay. My first was uh is his name is it sauce gardner that corner for cincinnati yeah, hey, okay man, he's from the west side of detroit man he's the real deal so yeah, i'm sauce just is truth i don't know non, how michigan missed out on him man i don't understand that my non-expert opinion i watched him intently and if you want to see like my full like in-game recap of that i got a video <laughs> on the channel of me at the uh at, at, at the cotton ball i was there and i just kind of give him my take after each quarter but i was trying to catch every time uh, James, Jameson Williams and, and Sauce Gardner were lined up on each other. I was try I'd zoom in right on that with my, yeah, with yeah. my phone camera. There was never really like a, 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 a good, I mean, the few times Gardner kind of locked him up. Not usually they weren't matched up with each other, but the few times, uh, Gardner was, was they went at him. He handled his own. He's yeah. very, physical that's what i noticed you know obviously sitting where i was sitting and not watching on tv you could see the guy is physical he's long like i think this guy is going to be a very good nfl corner just again my non-expert opinion but then my other takeaway was I, I i would rather have seen four or five other teams playing in that game because even though the score was semi-close mm -hmm. and i said this when i was there it never felt like cincinnati had a chance it right. just didn't and that's I I don't know. I want an, I want an expanded playoff and who knows? Maybe an expanded playoff to that extreme could impact the recruiting landscape. Could Definitely. bring a little parity back to college football, football to where players aren't just thinking, "Okay, I've got one of three schools I need to go to if I want to stand a chance of playing for a national title." It's like, yep. "Wait, no, I could go here, here, here and I got a shot." Yeah. Um I know I just jumped to the Bama Cincy game and no. we do plan on going through these games, but look, we're in a pretty good flow. Just yeah. You have anything on that? I think I think the thing you said this, I think the expanded playoff, because it's gonna happen. There's no doubt about it. There's too many people in these other conferences. Like, I guarantee you Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner, is gonna go to this and be like, Okay, yeah, Michigan got waxed, but could you imagine if we could have Michigan and Ohio State there? Yeah. Like could you, Matt, don't, I mean, let's be real. It's about dollars, right? And I think, like you said, it does change. Because here's what I say, and, and I know people have been texting me about asking how I feel about the game. I'm like, whatever. I'm I'm loving it because it helped our recruiting. We we picked up, like, six top 100 players. Mm. That never happens. That hasn't happened for us in ages. Like, us going to the playoff rampantly improved our recruiting yeah. in a matter of one season. Like, and like you said, I think that, and I was talking to a friend about it, Expanding the playoff and NIL deals, I think, are going to start kind of bringing a little bit more parity to the game because this is why I believe NIL plays a role with the playoff expansion and making it better. A school like Michigan, and I, and I always use Michigan because that's the team I know probably best. I'm not saying we, we've we never cheated. I'm, I know we did. I know we have, right? I'm, I'm very close to people that are close to the basketball situation, like <laughs> Firsthand, I know very well what went down. He's referring then. to the Fab Five yeah, basketball um, <laughs> situation for those of you I, that don't know. I'm connected 
in the Detroit, just we'll leave it at that. So I don't, I don't, I hate how Michigan plays this game like, oh, holy art thou, Michigan. We would never do that, right? We will. We have. But I like now Michigan can do this. And teams like Michigan, because there's other schools that got that got bankrolled. Mm. To be like, okay, now that it's not necessarily getting our hands dirty, I can afford to pay this kid this. Mm. So, like, perfect example. Dax Hill, our starting safety, is sick. Or oh, I think he was next to somebody who contracted COVID. Before, this would have been on the hush-hush. Dax rolled back with a big-time alumni on his private jet to make it to Miami to play. Mm. We would have never aired that out publicly last year. That would have been, oh, is Dax coming? How's he coming? Right. It, it was on message board. Oh, Dax caught the, he got the PJ with the, with such and such. So this is why I think expanding and NIL will bring parity because now schools like Michigan, like Oklahoma State, like Baylor, that have money can be like, like okay, Arkansas. That's, like Arkansas, that have money that could say, hey, guys, like, yeah, you guys got Walmart. Okay, cool. Like, you see, we made the playoff. I mean, you could go to Bama. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with going to Bama, but what, how much? What are we talking? Like, mm -hmm. it, it becomes a bidding war to an extent or what they, and I think schools are still trying to figure that out. But, like, I'm seeing the instant implications of it now that it's legal because even in the Michigan recruiting ground, if Lincoln Riley doesn't go to USC, we bagged the number one corner in the country, Domani Jackson. Mm. He loved Michigan. He was like, it came down to NIL deal. He goes, Bama blew his socks off, but then Michigan came back around and was like, hey, if you want to talk money, we can talk money now. Mm -hmm. And it just happened that Lincoln goes back to USC. He's a West Coast kid, you know, and Lincoln, we see what, that's the thing I'm saying. I think the expansion plus NIL is going to change. I don't think it'll change drastically. I think it's going to take three to four years of recruiting classes to kind of like catch mm -hmm. up. But I think it's going to change the game drastically because now, like you said, my options expand. Do I want to go sit two years at Bama or I'm going to Arkansas play tomorrow, you know, mm -hmm. potentially. Um, Cause you know, the, the, it might not be as crowded and I'm still getting paid the same. Mm -hmm. I'm still getting the check. So I can go to Arkansas, be the man, or I can go to Bama. I can sit two years, maybe play, maybe transfer. Or like you said, I, I can go to, it just changes the game. And, and I think the game will benefit from it personally. Yeah. And to, finish that point you've got this completely renovated landscape i go to this school like arkansas oh i got a chance mm -hmm. i got a chance that's and, all they want i mean and that's that's the beauty of college basketball right like that's why right. people love march madness is because just get in just get, get in. in you don't got to go undefeated you don't got to do this like just get in so all right, that's that's good discussion. Hey, we're live right here on YouTube. You never know what's gonna happen when we get going. <laughs> so here's the deal. Let's just let's let's hacky sack real quick through these New Year's six games. The we kind of already went on Bama Cincy. I don't really have anything else to say on that one. Um, do you have anything on Bama Cincy? No, I mean, shout out to Cincinnati. I will say the Cincinnati's defense, man, they proved to be everything. They they played their hearts out, man. Like, when your offense is giving you nothing, I can't. Like, Absolutely. they gave them a chance. They gave them, and I know Bama ran the football on them at will, which I don't understand what Bill O'Brien was calling. I would have ran Robinson every freaking every, play. Every play. Every play, because they couldn't stop it. But I think Cincinnati did give enough just of a cause where you have to give the group of five team, if they're undefeated, a serious look. Because if – I say this, if 
if Ritter, which is concerning, he's 6'4", and he got that many balls batted mm-hmm. down. If he hits that touchdown early in the game, I think Well, he hit game, it. He hit – he well – the first one got batted down. The first one. They right. came right back to it, and he did hit it. Dude dropped it. Dude dropped it. Right. That's true. That's true. I believe if they score that touchdown, I'm not saying they win. I think the game's a little bit more competitive because, we all, as we all know, sports is momentum. But I, I have no slander against Cincinnati. I think, you know, they did what they could do. And, hey, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was a game. I'll say one last thing, just from the perspective of someone who was there. I don't know a lot about like Cincinnati tradition, history, and all that, right? Like I know, I know uh, Kenyon Martin, yeah, right? <laughs> and and uh, I guess Luke Fickle. I'm trying to think if there's you know Mick Cronin. Like most of my Cincinnati like knowledge is more on the basketball side. Bob Huggins didn't Nick Van Exel go to Cincy? I don't, I don't, I don't. I'd have to probably look that up, but. Either way, most of, when I think about Cincy, I think about basketball, not football. But that fan base, they had a good fan base. Awesome. They had a good fan awesome base. Awesome fan base. And committed to their team, stuck with them the whole game, like every every like positive thing, they were they were up cheering like I I was very impressed. Really have a lot of respect. If you're a Bearcat fan that might be happening to watch this, like much respect to you and your fan base. Uh, however, I would have rather seen Bama play Somebody multiple else. other teams uh, <laughs> in that game. Uh, well, let's just let's just cap off the CFP. <laughs> so we got Michigan, Georgia. Um, I I kind of agree with what you said. I was wishfully thinking and hoping Michigan would win that game, but I was not at all surprised by how it played out. A little bit of humor I did see on Twitter. I'd shout out whoever tweeted it if I could remember, but they said, wow, so these guys flew all the way from Michigan to Miami to kick a field goal, huh? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, that's pretty good. That, but, that is good. Yeah, I mean, it... it really killed my anticipation for the national championship saying i'd probably have i'd be really excited about it had they not just played in the sec championship but yeah i'm just kind of like eh, you know yeah Bama, georgia part two technically part three because they played for the title back in i think 17 or 18 i mean yeah but that's about all i got to say on that i think it was um Hey, we scored more points than Michigan State did, so that's fine. You know, score more like, points than Arkansas did. Yeah, so I, I'll take it. I think um, this was the highlight of it, though. I think one, it was good for we're a very young team, so JJ McCarthy got a lot of spin in the back yeah. half of the game. Yeah, and I mean, he's a five. You see why he's a five star talent. I mean, the kid has it. I think um, the good thing that happened for Michigan, one, we got to see the talent disparity. There's just a talent gap. Uh, but I think it's good for you to see that, especially with the recruiting classes coming in, the talent we return. Um, you know, like like you said, I didn't expect in my heart of heart as a Michigan fan, I was like, this would be the greatest season in the world if we upset Georgia. But know how pissed off they were, how mad they were, how bad they got embarrassed, and they literally have a NFL first or second round pick at every position on their mm. defense. They have probably one of the greatest freshman tight ends to ever yeah. touch the field, like in Man. Brock Bowers. They have Washington, who's 6'6", 265, 
who's there. I mean, I I was texting Jerry and I was like, it looks like we're playing the Monstars right now. Like that's just how it felt. Like that's that's just how it felt. But I thought, you know, I think if Michigan fans are dogging Michigan, I think you're a little delusional. We weren't even supposed to. I think the the over under was seven games this year for us. Mm. So to us to beat Ohio State, the Giant and Ohio State to whoop Iowa, and then you get a bunch of young guys like a lot of our five star talent that came in this year. They got good experience they knew what it take i think this year for michigan that was it was good you got you saw what it took to get there mm. and so uh, austin meek actually wrote this he goes um oh no it was zoltan mesco a former punter he's like this was so good for that team and they probably got to go get smacked two or three more times before they'll be ready to compete and it's true because recruiting kind of comes in phases and maybe jj is like a joe burrow and he just has an elect because the pieces are there to have an electrifying junior senior year for him. So, mm. um, as a Michigan, I like I'm really taking a participation trophy on this and going. We got our butts handed to us. It was great though. Like sometimes you just need to get smacked to see how far you really like. You saw what it mm-hmm. took to get there. Now you need to see what it takes to get to the next level. The work mm. it requires, and for a lot of key contributors, they're freshmen and sophomores. So, I'll take it, man. I'll take it. It was. Not a fun game, but it was an encouraging. Um, to me, this was the best season of my life since 1997. I enjoyed every bit of it until Saturday. So, you know, hats off. Georgia did what Georgia was supposed to do. I wish they would have did that against Bama a month ago. Yeah. So it could have really made the CFP even more engaging. more interesting, you know. But hey, it is what it is. Okay, so let's let's back up now. Let's the first of these New Year's six games was actually Michigan State Pitt. Mm-hmm. Uh, both teams playing without their, uh, you Star know, players. Heisman candidate players, uh, Kenny Pickett and uh, Kenneth Walker, the third, right? That's yeah. Yeah. Um, we mentioned that already. I, all I have to say about this game. And if you watched our bowl mania um, preview episode where we went through every single bowl game and previewed the game and made our predictions, I picked Michigan state. And I said, I said this, I said, both teams are without their star player. I think this game essentially comes down to coaching and I'm going to, and, and, and I think it's going to be a close game that comes down to coaching. And I gave that hat tip to Mel Tucker, not he saying did. like, Oh, Mel Tucker is a way better coach than Narduzzi. Narduzzi's man. He's what he's coach. doing at Pittsburgh <clears throat> is phenomenal. And, and like, I think he's got them built for some sustainable success even. However, what Mel Tucker has shown this year is that he's established a culture that if Michigan State is in a dogfight and they've got a scratch and claw to a victory, don't bet against them. They're going to do it. And that's what that game became. Like I, I'm sitting there watching the game when it looked like Pitt might actually have it in control. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, Michigan State is not out of this. Like no. They will not quit. And I've been saying it from week one of this season of this podcast. I talked about it after they beat Northwestern, Northwestern I think, on did. Friday night to open their season. I talked about how they played with inspiration. They didn't quit. They, they were a very physical, just grinded out type team that truly took on the personality of their head coach in Mel Tucker. And it ended with a Peach Bowl New Year's Six victory. So. That's all I got on that game. Yeah, I, I picked Pitt originally because Kenny Pickett hadn't opted out just yet. But I did say if Pickett opted out, I liked 
Michigan. And then Pitt did lose their second string quarterback. So shout out to that they played a third string quarterback. That's true. And yeah, who was also and I mean they lost you know, their OC. And they lost their OCs. I mean, so they, they put a good they put a good showing. I mean, um I think I think yes, they won the game. And like you said, if it's close, I kinda like them to win it. But I also I think the game show how how important and pivotal Kenneth Walker the third was to that team. Yeah. He's very pivotal. If he's not there all season, they maybe win seven games. Eight, maybe. And they, they might will themselves into some. But Kenneth Walker was the X factor for that team. And I'll be interested to see, because he's going to scour that. Uh, Tucker's a Saban guy, so he's going to scour that oh, yeah. transfer portal. So I'll be interested to see if they can find somebody who's going to be their X factor next year to kind of bring – What's going to that program? What's the bar for that program going to be? Is he always going to be able to put 10 wins together? Or is this like the kind of the typical before D'Antonio's Spartans? You might get a 10 win season every couple years, but you're normally kind of around like a seven and five, eight and four ball club. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'll I'll be interested to see what happens over there. But he's recruiting this behind off, man. So it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But, you know, it was a good game. man. It, It was actually to me, it's the second best bowl game of the New Year's Six. Okay. Yeah. I already know what the first best is, and we'll get to that one in a second. But uh, before that, let's get to was uh, the Fiesta Bowl, Oklahoma State, Notre Dame. Now, I'm going to be honest. I missed most of this game because I was watching those Arkansas Razorbacks beat up on the Penn State Nittany Lions. First off, let me say this. Shout out to Penn State, and here's why. And James Franklin. Their whole defense essentially got depleted with opt-outs you know on Arkansas side we lost Traylon Burks which was a huge loss and we had a defensive end uh Trey Williams there was some other situation going on there but uh he opted out as well and he was a big difference maker on our team but for the most part like we had our squad because we have a very young team most of our guys are coming back Penn State could have easily taken the route that a lot of these other teams took and said "Mm, we're not gonna play COVID, this, that, the other, whatever, opt-outs, we're not going to play. And they chose to still show up and play that game. And honestly, I mean, Arkansas, we we really kind of shot ourselves in the foot the entire second quarter, and it was a competitive game. Came out the second half, got got back to our identity, and the identity Mm -hmm. I think we're going to carry into the 2022 season, which is pounding the rock, letting KJ do his thing with some different option looks and things of that nature. And Won the game comfortably, but um, I do want to shout out Penn State and James Franklin because they did not have to play that game, and they did. And, yes, he uh, did. And For $95 million, he playing that game. That's true. <laughs> he playing Fair that enough. game. Fair enough. Uh, and, hey, I, again, I made a video about this, so I don't want to sound off on this live stream and on the podcast, but from the outhouse to the outback, I just can't say enough about what Sam Pittman has done with the University of Arkansas, a team that – couldn't win a conference game in nearly three seasons. And in year two goes nine and four. I mean, he's a two point conversion away from possibly being in a new year's six bowl, but I still respect the heck out of him playing to win that game and going for the win. And uh, I mean, I think the future's bright. Like I've already said, a big part of our offensive core is coming back defensively. We're going to have to hit the transfer portal for the front seven, but Moving on. Oklahoma State, Notre Dame. So bottom line is I only saw really the second half and more so the fourth quarter. Yeah. Kind of when Oklahoma State had already began the comeback. 
Mm -hmm. So all I'm going to say on this game is I do have an Urban Meyer video I'm going to be dropping (laughs) where I'm just reading some excerpts from his book, Urban's Way, where this man has like some pages about his love for Notre Dame. And I get it. Notre Dame fans are split on that. There's some that say the university won't touch him with a 10-foot pole, and there's other one, other fans that would take him in a heartbeat. I don't really know where the administration, where they lie on that or if they're going to hold out for Fickle, but I think my same question is as relevant now as it was a couple weeks ago when I asked it, and that is this. if Now that Urban Meyer is on the market, I'm assuming he's on the market. I mean, he's, he's jobless. He's unemployed. He's Does that make the seats hotter for guys like Marcus Freeman? And I also said guys like Steve Sarkeesian. I know that really Mm. puts people in a tizzy that are part of both of those fan bases because I've said this. Yeah. I'm not going to get into that. I I, I have another video I'll get into all that with, but I will say this about Marcus Freeman. I think it's not so much that he lost, even though I did say I think he really needs to win this game probably at an unfair advantage than a typical coach who's coaching their first game in the Fiesta Bowl, like even more so just because of that sort of twinkle that Notre Dame and Urban Meyer like have for each other. Yep. But it was the way Notre Dame lost. Yeah. They had the game in control. I mean, the offense was firing on all cylinders. Defense was playing well. And then... They collapsed. Yeah. Oklahoma State has had a pretty decent season, man. Gundy oh, yeah. has those boys playing. I, I, I'm, you know, a few weeks ago, I know you're going to drop a video on it. A few weeks ago, I was kind of like, eh. But the more, like, time has passed and there's how quickly the urban chatter of how bad he was has died down. And originally, and I was a big, I was a big arguer, and I don't even know that's a word, but a big arguer <laughs> against, um, <laughs> Um, I was like, no, Notre Dame, image-wise, they wouldn't take Urban. That was me in the height of it. This is me a few weeks later. <laughs> I'm like, they wouldn't hesitate. They, I think Marcus Freeman gets, if we're, we're, if we're just talking about it, I think he gets a year. If, if Notre Dame goes 7-5, and five, mm, yeah. you better believe you better believe Urban Meyer is getting a freaking phone call. If he'll they, get the, if, yeah, he'll get the he'll, Luke Fickle treatment that Luke Fickle oh, got at Ohio State. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And Fick, Fickle's, he won't. I mean, I know we're jumping, but I don't think he'll be at Cincinnati much longer. I don't, I don't think so. And to I, clarify what I just meant, for those of you that don't know, like, what happened been, with Fickle? Like Fickle stepped in as an interim head coach at Ohio State, and I think they went seven and six or something. No, they didn't even get bowl eligible that year. I think they went like five and seven. Oh, was it? See, I thought it was because of uh, 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 sanctions, but yeah, it was. They had the Terrell Pryor thing because yeah. they lost yeah. Trestle at the top of the season. Fickle stepped in. It was Braxton Miller's freshman year. Okay, well, so there was there was that whole deal, and then obviously, as soon as they had a chance to get Urban Meyer. <laughs> They went and got him. And that's <laughs> and he kept he kept Fickle on as his DC and all that. We, you know, if you know the history, you know yeah. what happened. But that's what I meant when I said he'll get the Luke Fickle treatment. So I, I, Yeah, I think I think 
I think Notre Dame, they did, this is what I say, they made the right hire in the moment. Oh, yeah. Let's let's patch it up. Let's bring in Marcus. Nice young coach. Fits the image. Players Notre love him. Notre Dame kid. Players love him because we can't afford this late in the game to mess up where we're recruiting because it's already tough to recruit at Notre Dame. Well, I guarantee you some big-time boosters have already tapped Urban and said, hey, you interested? <laughs> like, we can – if my man goes anything less than eight wins, and I think he needs to win more than that. I think Marcus Freeman needs to win a lot of games next year. Yeah. Or he will – I agree with you. He will start feeling the – well, you know Urban Meyer's on the market. You know he loves Notre – because he's been public. He's been public about that when he was in the booth. There's only three schools he would go to, Notre Dame, Michigan, Ohio State. That's it. I'm going to read some excerpts on a video straight from his biography. I'm with so you. So, y'all, if you're watching right now, you stay tuned. There's another uh, little Urban Urban Meyer video coming about his infatuation with Notre Dame, I can going back that. to his childhood. So, let's move on. Let's try to we're, – we're about to hit – I think we're about to hit an hour. Um, yeah. Rose Bowl. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's, I feel like the Rose Bowl deserves its own podcast, and we just don't have time to really dissect it. But go ahead, B. Holmes. I'll let you sound off, and then I'll just kind of plug a couple things that you don't already hit. Man, the Rose Bowl to me was the game. Okay. One, I hate Ohio State. I freaking hate Ohio State. I'm not the guy that's like, oh, Big Ten. I want everybody in Big Ten. No, I want Ohio right. State to lose every game. I want Michigan State to lose every game. I freaking hate those two teams. And the fact that they both won the way they won pissed me off. Excuse me, made me so mad. But I'm an objective fan, and I'm a real one. I said this when we played him, when he played us, and I'll say it again. Jackson Smith and Jigba, that dude is a certified baller. Mm. Certified. If he doesn't play against... Us, even when he played Michigan, they're not even as close as they are. The yes. kid is the – he's a guaranteed first-round receiver that's going to play in the slot in the NFL. The kid is out of Rockwall, Texas, just a straight technician, but mm-hmm. got size 6'2", 205. I mean, what he did was incredible. But then shout-out to C.J. Stroud, and I've been hard on C.J. Stroud all yeah. season. I've been really hard on him. I've been saying I, I don't know if he's tough. I don't know if he has the it factor. And, I mean, part of, part of that is he was originally a Michigan lean till Urban swooped in, like, last minute. Um, most people didn't know that. A Rancho Cucamongo, uh, California, Harbo discovered him. Um, mm. And we offered him, and he was leaning then Ohio, he ends up going to Ohio State. But, man, what I saw yesterday, Trey, I think he's a better prospect than Bryce Young. Mm. Um, I, and we'll see how this plays yeah. out because they, they're, they're both going to come out next year. There's no doubt about it. They're not playing another year after next year in college mm-hmm. football. But what he was able to do, oh, my God. I mean, he made NFL-level throw. I'm just thinking about the corner, uh, the, oh, yeah. the, the over-the-shoulder to Jackson mm-hmm. when they mounted that comeback, mm-hmm. and I was like, that's an NFL throw. I mean. Those, those slot fade balls. Yeah, it, it was just it was just incredible. I mean, Ohio State, shout out to Brian Hartline, their wide receivers coach yeah. who actually played receiver there. That dude just – Marvin Harrison Jr., the kid's going to be good. I mean, his dad's Marvin Harrison, but, you know. It, to me, that was the Hall best bowl game. I I, I don't – I think if Utah doesn't lose their starting quarterback, they got a shot at pulling that one off. Mm. I think losing their starting quarterback, I think he went down in the fourth in crunch time, and he was making big plays. 
to me, I mean, it was to, it was the best game of the bowl season. I I was pulling for Utah. I wanted them to win. They they did what they were supposed to do. They're a tough team. They ran at Ohio State's weaknesses. But Ohio State is still, at the end of the day, I will never deny. Ohio State is Ohio State. That offense Ryan Day has, he's an offensive genius. Those dudes will put video game numbers up on anybody in the country. I don't care who you are. You can be Bama. You can be Georgia. You, they're going to put up. They can drop 50 on anybody. We saw what they did to Michigan State earlier in mm-hmm. this year. They could have hung 100 on Michigan State. They really could have. And so, man, it was just a great game, man. It makes me excited to see what Jackson Smith and Nigma is going to do next year. Like, he's coming back. C.J. Stroud's coming back. Marmy. I thought we, I thought it was really cool because we got to see, and it was terrorizing as a Michigan fan because I'm looking at who's all coming back next year, and I'm like, mm-hmm. that's a legit, that's a that team we if they can and they did hire the uh, DC from Oklahoma State, yeah. If they can sure up that defense, that's a national championship caliber team right there. And you hear you heard it here first. I would not be shocked if Ohio State won the Natty next year. I wouldn't be. They're that good, man. Okay, well, I'll just add a couple quick things. One, Wes Welker 2.0 for Utah. Oh, uh, yeah. Covey, Britton Covey, Covey whatever. Yes. Uh, love that guy. Loved his press conference after the game. Man, the dude was brought to tears. I mean, he just had so much passion for his team, for his university, for the game. Love it. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Like, he kind of got lost in the shuffle as far as, you know, with Stroud and Smith. Say his name for me. In Jigba. In Jigba. And Harrison Jr. had three touchdowns as well. He did. He nice. had he, he had more catches and more yards in the Rose Bowl than he's had all season. So I I brought that up in our Bowl Mania episode. I said, man, these guys coming in haven't haven't played a meaningful snap of football all season. Is this really the stage for them to make their debut? And your exact words were, that's why you come to Ohio State. That's why you go to Ohio State. That's that you said it, <laughs> and that's exact he proved it. Marvin Harrison Jr. So And, man, the last thing I'll say is this is why going to the Rose Bowl game has been on my bucket list since I was 9 or 10 years old. I mean, it was, I think, after the Arizona State, Ohio State, the Jake Plummer year, and I want to say Eddie George. So I don't remember what year that was, if it was 95 or 96. But if, if I'm not mixing too much up, I'm pretty confident it was, or maybe Eddie George wasn't there still, but it was the Jake Plummer versus Ohio State. Rose Bowl. You can look it up and give me a year, but since then, that has been on my bucket list because the game just never disappoints. I go to the Cotton Bowl almost every year, and I've been, you know, I've, I've, I've been privileged to be able to do that going back to my childhood, and really since it's become a CFP New Year's Six Day game, it's always a blowout. <laughs> it just yeah, always it is. is. But the Rose Bowl game just never disappoints. It's the granddaddy of them all. It's on New Year's Day. It's in Pasadena. That's on my bucket list. So if you're listening to this or watching this and you just randomly want to get me two plane tickets and two tickets to the Rose Bowl game, we're going. You'll, you will help me check off the something granddaddy of them all on my bucket list. And go. then finally, we've got the Sugar Bowl. Look, I made a preview video about this that like hardly anybody watched. And spot on though. I gotta say it was spot on. And even going back a month ago, I made a Big 12 championship preview video where I talked about Baylor's X Factor and Secret Weapon, which a lot of people don't talk about. 
Most people, when they think about Baylor and their defense, they talk about the All-American safety, Jalen Petrie. I was talking about Terrell Bernard, yep, their linebacker, who, oh, he by did. the way, was the Sugar Bowl MVP. So, and then McElroy, Greg McElroy, I hope I'm saying his name right. Yeah, um, Who called the game. I, he was talking like Baylor, like Aranda just pulled Baylor out of the, the pits of destruction. Like, does he not realize that over the Matt last Rule decade, <laughs> they have only had two losing seasons in the, right. since 2010? They had a Heisman Trophy. They won a couple conference championships and have been in two New Year's Six Bowl games, not including – I'm sorry, three New Year's Six games, not including uh, on Saturday night in the Sugar Bowl. They were in the Sugar Bowl just two years ago with Matt yeah. Rule. Yes, they had a horrible situation with the, the, the uh, allegations and all of that. But Matt Rule came in and really had one down year and then had it right back on its tracks. And then David Randa comes in in yep. 2020, has a down year for the COVID year. So I guess my point was is they've actually had some sustained success over the last decade, decade and a half. It's not the same Baylor that like you and I grew up on. Right. <laughs> and he was kind of talking like that's what they've been until Aranda took over. And then um, – and then he's talking about Ole Miss and what's Lane Kiffin going to do without Jeff Levy, who brought in the Central Florida, you know, hurry up style <laughs> offense. I'm going, does he not Lane realize Kiffin. that <laughs> one Lane Kiffin's first offensive coordinator at FAU was Kendall Bryles, who him and Jeff Levy spent nine years together at Baylor. They were innovators of the same offense. Like, right. this is nothing new for Lane Kiffin. He ran the same thing at Florida Atlantic the three years that he was there. And then he came to Ole Miss and hired Jeff Levy from Central Florida and installed the same identity and in, in, in philosophy offensively. I'll also say this. Charlie Weiss Jr., who, he, who worked for him at Florida Atlantic, I don't know all the nuts and bolts, but there's a really cool story there where, like, he's, he's got, like, this, like, crazy photographic memory and, like, mm. something about that is what helped him get on Lane Kiffin's staff at Florida Atlantic. And so now it looks like he'll be replacing Jeff Levy as OC yeah. at Ole Miss. But I'm just going – he was talking about, you know, he's at Bama, Bama style, and he took that to Florida Atlantic. But then he comes to Ole Miss and hires Jeff Levy to help install this hurry-up UCF style of offense. And I'm going, first off, the style of offense they run was, was started at Baylor. Okay. <laughs> Baylor made this offense famous. They run the veer and shoot with like different wrinkles and staples from what Lane Kiffin believes in. It's the same thing Arkansas runs from when Kiffin and Browse work together. Anyways, I just I was a little disappointed in that commentating. He's a Bama. Tell. He's a Bama guy, man. He hasn't had to watch anybody else besides. That's I Bama mean, that's, privilege, man. You you know, you true. play quarterback at Bama, you don't map out in the league. No shade to Greg. But then you just you get hired by ESPN, man. You know, he's a nice guy, though. Nice guy. <laughs> he's a, he's a nice Anyways, guy. bro, we are so over time. We are. But, we are. But it was worth it. Before we sign off, do you want to give a champ? Or do you have anything on the Sugar Bowl? No. I mean, we I, talked I, about the Corral stuff. Like, yeah, that was I the mean, key. That was the key thing. No, you know. Nope. Cool game. All right. <laughs> That's all I got. Before we sign <laughs> off, what is your championship prediction? Bama. Roll Tide. I I don't I think Nick Saban is in Kirby Smart's head. I think Bama's in those guys' heads. I think they can bark, wolf, pound their chest, talk about how mad they are all they want. 
until I see it, I don't believe it. And what the thrashing Bama just laid on them before, you got you have to know Nick Saban in the back of his mind, the mad scientist he was, was like, I still didn't empty the cupboard on you. <laughs> I, I did enough to now have you thinking. And once I beat you badly once, and he's beat Kirby Smart every time, I'm gonna get like I'm gonna get you again. So I think um it's it's the it's the it's the Nick Saban touch. I like Bama. I don't know if it's by Bama by a lot, but if I'm a betting man and the game gets close, I don't trust Stetson Bennett. That's why. This, this is it. I know I'm completely over time. I don't trust Stetson Bennett. Like, yes, he had a good game. Anybody could have. I mean, bro, when you're throwing to freaking draft picks and your lineman is the size of everyone's six eight and yeah, I, I don't trust Bennett. And we saw when he played a Bama originally. When they got behind, he got shaky. And that was the whole thing I, I wouldn't, you know, Bama. Whatever. I don't have to give him just Bama. I trust Saban. Dude, I'm looking at my notes. <clears throat> and right under championship prediction, you know what I have written? What's that? I don't care. <laughs> but just for the sake of this podcast, just for the sake of entering 2022, and ending the season the same way we started the season. We're going to finish strong just like we started. <clears throat> I would be remiss if I didn't sign off of the <laughs> with this right here. You're not, not beating, beating Bama. Bama. You're not beating Bama. So. You're not. And I'm actually rooting Bama. for them. I'm rooting for them, too. I don't even I care, hate man. I'm rooting for Bama. I hate, like... <laughs> The way that the way, and it's not because they beat us. It's because like they choked against Bama. Like you were supposed to do that, dude. Kirby Smart's only chance at beating Saban is if Saban has a quarterback who who's not great in the passing game, and that's never going to happen. And that's I mean, look at the <laughs> first time they matched up in the national championship. You know. Yep. So, well, it's been dude. Fun, guys. Happy New Year's, twenty twenty two. Year. Oh, college football season's over. Well, Man, hey, if you're watching right now, feel free to browse around our channel. Um, Got a bunch of videos, man. We have over 100 videos for you to pick from. So yeah. I'm surely we have something there that would entertain you. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for sitting with us. And uh, I don't know, B. Holmes, you want to give your signature sign off? Yeah, man. Well, guys, you know, make sure you follow us on all our handles, Blue Blood CGT. We got some new work coming in on this TikTok gang. Good on TikTok, yes. man. New year, new focus. About to attack the social media space. Follow us. Obviously, you see our handles on Twitter beneath us. Um, follow us on Twitter. And to everybody, now that the season is over, unless you're a Bama or a Georgia fan, Jaron Prince, rest in your laurels. Soak up the winds. And until next time, college football, college basketball's here, baby. Yeah, baby. College basketball is here. So we aren't going anywhere. College basketball fans, we'll be back next week. Till next week. College football. I love March Madness. Hey.